Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. All right, let me call your attention one more time to the book of John chapter 17. The book of John chapter number 17. We're going to be looking at the subject this morning on our security in God. Our security in God. We're going to read verse number 1 down through verse number 5. And then we'll pray and get into the message. Verse number 1, the Bible says, These words spake Jesus and lift up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is the life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. We thank you for everyone that has made their way to be here. Lord, we ask you as we gather together corporately that you would once again give us in each individual heart what you would have for us. Lord, give us collectively together what we stand in need of as a church. Lord, we ask you that you would magnify yourself. May you, Lord, make yourself known to us from the scripture this morning. And Lord, I pray and ask you that you would do in our hearts what only you can do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. As we consider this, and as we consider John chapter number 17, thus far we have looked at an introduction to John chapter number 17, and then last week we considered the glory of God in the plan of salvation. But I want us to look at this morning and consider the thought our security in God. We looked at last week and considered the fact that everything that has to do with salvation is to the glory of God. Our salvation is for us, but it's not so much about us. It is to our benefit but it is to the glory of God. It is for God to manifest Himself, 
to magnify himself and to make himself known to us now, to make himself known to the world that we live in, but to make himself known and to glorify himself in the universe. That everything that is, was, or ever will be, will be able one day to bow their knee, as God says, and glorify God. They will bow their knee and recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. It is for His glory. But as we consider this, I want us to be able to rest in the fact that we have security in the God who is glorifying Himself. You and I can, we can find rest, we can find security, we can find uh, assurances as we look at the God of our salvation. As I've said so far, we've looked at the glory of God in in salvation and how that that Glory must go to God and must go to God alone. And we looked at that in a general aspect, if you will. We saw that the plan of salvation manifests God's great character. It manifests our salvation. As we look at our salvation and understand our salvation, we understand that it magnifies God's character in His holiness, His mercy, His wisdom, His love, His justice, and His power. He magnifies and manifests Himself. We need to be careful that we do not consider the wonderful doctrine of the glory of God as something that is theoretical and something that is remote. It's not just something that is theoretical. It's not just something that uh, God devised uh, so that we would have a knowledge of it. It involves us. It has things to do in our lives and we are going to consider that as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning. That being said, the salvation of God reveals the character of God. I wish us to consider the next proposition, if you will, that Salvation is something which has been eternally planned by God. And we see that as we look at this scripture this morning. Salvation is something that has been eternally and entirely planned by God. It has nothing to do with our planning. It has nothing to do. We did not put down on the calendar, we're going to get saved this day, or or God's going to reveal Himself to us this day. No, God had all that planned. God did that all in His plan. And this is found in the statements that are made in the Scripture that we've read this morning when it said, Thou hast given Him power over all flesh that He should give eternal life And also in the statement, I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. 
Understand who's saying this. This is God the Son who is making the statements thou hast given him who has given Christ power over all flesh that he should give eternal life. And also when Christ made the statement, I have finished the work that thou hast given me to do. The truth that we must understand is that salvation entirely is the idea of God alone. So that it is to the glory of God alone. Understand that it emanates from and has its source only in the origin of God the Father. It is God the Father. What? How are you and I saved? Does Paul not tell us in the book of Ephesians chapter number 2? For what? By grace are ye saved. Amen. Where did that grace come from? That grace is the grace of God. Yes. It is the grace of God that hath appeared unto man. It is the grace of God that God came to where you were. It is the grace of God that God chose to allow you to understand salvation. And God chose to place salvation in your heart. God chose to shine the light of the glorious gospel in your heart and in your life. If it were not for that, you and I would still be wandering in our sin. We would still be wandering. We would still be, as he said, ye who were dead in trespasses and sins. We would still be dead in our sin had not the glory and the grace of God appeared unto us and God allowed us to see his glorious grace. God turned that light on. I didn't walk into the room and flip the light on. God turned that light on. God manifest Himself. God made Himself known. Yes. And it was entirely through God and God alone. Yes. Salvation has originated and did originate in the mind of God. And it is God's own purpose. God has a purpose for your salvation. God has a purpose for my salvation. Can we not rest in that? Can we not be reassured in that? Can we not have assurance in the fact that it is God who originated our salvation and God has a purpose in our salvation? I think sometimes we misunderstand who God is. We don't recognize the vastness and the greatness of our God. And because of that, we don't we don't have the assurance that we need to have because we don't see God as we ought to see God. We don't look at God as we ought to look at God. It is not only God's idea. It has been perfectly planned from the very beginning to the very end of our salvation. God planned my salvation and God planned your salvation before he ever formed the world. We have a hard time understanding that. We have a hard time, even if we 
even if we want to reach out and grab hold of it, we have a hard time fab, uh, grabbing hold of the thought that God, before the foundations of the world, knew who I was. And not only knew who I was, but God determined that I would be saved by His grace. It is God's perfect plan from the beginning to the very end. And if I understand that it was His plan from the very beginning, I can surely rest in the fact that if it was His plan in the very beginning, He has it planned to the very ending, Brother Charles. That's right. I can rest in that. Amen. What could be more comforting, what could be more reassuring than the fact that there is nothing contingent in the plan of God? There's nothing. God is not saying, God, God is not sitting in heaven and saying, if you do this, I'll save you. My salvation is not contingent on anything that I did do or have done or will do. My salvation is totally hanging on who God is. And that His Son was obedient. And His Son finished the work that He gave Him to do. It is not contingent. There is nothing contingent about salvation. There is nothing There is not only nothing contingent about my salvation, there is nothing accidental about my salvation. There is nothing, and understand this, there is nothing that needs modified about my salvation. Here's what I want us to consider when we consider the fact that there needs to be no, no modifications. There are people that would tell you that God chose a people. And those people chose not to listen to Him. And because they chose not to listen to Him, God modified His plan and changed from dealing with them to start dealing with us. May I remind you, God's plan from the very beginning needed no modification. It did not take God by surprise. God planned it and God purposed it and God has it as God has it. And there was nothing that anybody could do to change that. In fact, can I just be honest with you? It it was in the plan of God. It was in the eternal purpose of God that those in Israel turn away from Him. Why? Because that led to His crucifixion. God, God chose and used the Jews, if you will, as a nation. He used them to produce the birth of His Son and also the death. Of his son. It was that crowd that stood back and said, Crucify him, crucify him. God does not need to change, nor does God need to modify his plan because his plan is complete. It always has been complete and it always will be complete. 
And it's not contingent upon us. It's not accidental. God planned it. And God planned it exactly like you and I see it coming to pass. Just like you and I see it happening. God has planned it from eternity before the foundations of the world. It is eternally in the mind of God. Do you see how we can have security in that? Do you understand how we can, if we can get a hold of this fact, you and I have an assurance that we would not have any other way. Understanding. Understand this. I have been and will be in the eternal mind of God. Brother Ricky, that blows my mind. To know that I was in God's mind, and if I was in God's mind in eternity past, I was in God's mind, I was in God's mind way back yonder, I would say when God began, but He didn't begin. Do you get that? Do you, do you, I, don't know, I don't even know the English word to use how that I've been in the mind of God eternally. I, I am in the mind of God. And I never will not be in the mind of God. December 11th, 1963. I don't know what time of day because I could not tell time when I got here. But I know that on December 11th, 1963, according to the records my mom and dad have, I had a beginning. But in the mind of God, I did not. Why? Because I was in His eternal mind. It didn't take God by surprise when I was born. It didn't take God by surprise when you was born. God did did not wake up. Because He never sleeps. But God did not wake up and say, Man, Ricky got saved last night. It didn't surprise God that you and I got born again. Why? Because it was in the eternal mind of God. There is nothing accidental about that. It says that there is rejoicing in heaven when one gets saved. That rejoicing is because of all those creatures that God has created and all those that have gone on before us. They're rejoicing, but it didn't take God by surprise. God said, I just let you see it. It didn't take God by surprise that I was going to end up at Victory Baptist Church on Gold Hill Drive in Salisbury, North Carolina as a a seven-year-old boy on a a, a weeknight during a revival and a preacher was going to stand up with the right Bible and preach the right message and and deal with the heart of a seven-year-old boy so he could walk forward and get saved by the grace of God. What are you saying? I'm saying that didn't take God by surprise. It was brand new to me, but God knew it in eternity past. It never needs to be modified. It never needs to be changed. It never needs to be altered in any respect. 
No respect. Not in anything does it need to be altered. I don't think I've posted this, but I am going to post on Facebook sometime here in the near future the fact that the robes of Christ do not need us to take it to our shop of good work so we can alter it. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the salvation that you and I have. It does not need to be changed. It does not need to be altered. It does not need to be modified because God knew it in eternity past. It was in the eternal mind of God. Consider that with God, everything has its right time. We see that in the Scripture. In the Scripture we're looking at this morning. Jesus made the statement. He said, Father, the hour is come. Can I just be honest with you? God in eternity past, and you and I cannot fathom that, but God in eternity past, I'm talking about back there where there is no back there. God in eternity past knew the very minute that Christ would go to the cross. He knew the very time that He would go to the cross. Christ even narrowed it down to this. The hour is come. When He was going to do what? When He was going to go to the cross and He was going to take every drop of the wrath of God upon Himself for me and for you. It was not the beating of men. It was not the lashing of the whip. It was not the plucking out of the beard. It was taking the wrath of an eternal God and drinking every drop of that wrath so that you and I could have salvation. He who knew no sin did what? Became sin for us. That we what might be made the righteousness of God. You and I are made the righteousness of God. How? In Him. And God did that in eternity past. What a blessing. Consider this if you will. The flood came at a particular point. And And God sent warning giving to mankind the warning. He said in in Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 3, this famous statement that we've all heard before, my spirit shall not always strive with man. God is still doing the same now. He's warning men. But there is an end, however. There is a limit to God dealing with man. Consider this, if you will. The call of Abraham was not something accidental. It was done at a precise moment. It was to Abraham that the statement was made that certain things should not happen until what? Until the iniquity of the Amorites was fulfilled. God had a time, even with Abraham. He said, this can't happen Till the iniquity of the Amorites are fulfilled. 
There's another instance where, uh, where Abraham is told the exact number of years that things would happen. He's told 430 years before it would ever happen. All things are perfectly planned because God has His time and God has His excellent moment that God intends on things happening. That's right. You say, why are you talking about that? I'm talking about that because we can rest in that. We can be reassured in that. Consider Moses to whom the promise was given just at the time when it was necessary. And again, the promise was given to David in his day. And you and I can certainly find the argument to employ this as we read the writings of the prophets. Over and over again, they were talking about the time, the foretelling that this would happen, that would happen, and it's going to happen in God's time. Time is all determined and planned by God. And likewise, the end is planned and certain. Therefore, you and I can rest in the fact that God knows the beginning, He knows the ending, and He knows everything in between, and you and I are in that in between. There are those that are asking questions such as, why does God allow the church to linger? How, why, does, why does God allow certain things to happen in the church? Why does He allow liberal criticism of the Bible. Why does he not put a stop to all of this? All this can be answered in the truth that God has a time for all things. Is that not what the preacher in Ecclesiastes told us? There's a time for planting, there's a time for reaping, there's a time for this, there's a time, there's a time to build up, there's a time to tear down. He went over and over and over and over and told us there was a time for this, a time for that, a time for this. Why? Because with God there is a purpose and a time. God has planned. Right. And you and I are not going to fork the plan of God. We are not going to flaw the plan of God. And I'm glad this morning that I can be part of the plan of God. And part of that plan of God that I have in me is my salvation that He has given me. I want us to consider the plan in more detail. I want us to look at two different things this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture. I'm going to ask you to come along with me to a time in the past when there was a council that was held in eternity. That council was with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When they devised the plan of my salvation. I'm talking about God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit had a council and in their council they devised the plan of my salvation and your salvation. And I want us to consider two things. So many things that we could consider. But I want us to consider two things as we look at this. This is about the very question of our salvation. 
What happened there was that the Son, the second person of the Trinity, was given an assignment. As they took counsel together, the Son was given an assignment. He was appointed heir of all things. The Bible tells us, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. I want us to consider that phrase as we look at this and understand as this council was called together with respect to us and respect to our salvation, there was two things that took place. The first great decision that was made at that council was handed over specifically to the Son. What was given to Him? There were two things, and and there's so many more, but there's two things that I want to give you that were given to the Son that give us an assurance of our salvation. Give us a, a, a firmness that we can stand in in our salvation. First of all is the fact that He was given power over all things in heaven and in earth. The Lord Jesus Christ was given power over all things in heaven and in earth. This is the same Son who's going to go to the cross and die for our sins. He's given all power over heaven and over earth. We will see this even as we look at the Old Testament. What do we we find in the Old Testament? We find Christophanies. We find that Christ made Himself known even in the Old Testament. Consider this, and a lot of people would say, nah, this ain't what happened. Consider when, when Jonah decided he didn't want to go. And he went down into the ship and he goes out into the sea and we know the story. He's tossed overboard because uh, they're, they're, he's saying that all of this has come upon them because he has run from God. He's tossed overboard. God prepares a, a fish and as he prepares that fish and, and that fish spits him out on the seashore and he he runs to Nineveh and he preaches that great message that God gave them. Yet 40 days and God will destroy Nineveh. And he preaches that message throughout there and they turn and they repent. Do you know what was happening? Do you know what was going on? He was preaching the gospel. Yes, sir. And get this. He doesn't like what happened. So he goes and sits under a tree. And what does God do? God comes along and preaches the gospel to the prophet that he sent to preach the gospel. You say the gospel's not in the Old Testament. Go read the book of Jonah. You'll find out that the gospel is in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. 
Ruth. It's, a, it's all throughout the Word of God you're going to find the Gospel. And what is the Gospel? The Gospel is about the counsel that the three, the Trinity, had together when they devised the plan. What was the plan that they were devising? It was the salvation of man. Yes, sir. If we could get a hold of this, if we could understand that they got together and devised a plan for my salvation and your salvation. I'm talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit got together, devised the plan, and made the way of salvation. It would blow our minds off our heads if we understood the intricate workings of what God devised for our salvation. But if it don't blow your head off your shoulders, it ought to give you assurance that if God planned it, it's all right. Yes, amen. If God, if God came up with the plan and God devised the plan and nobody is able to fork God, nobody is able to, to cause God to alter or modify or change His plan, then He's not going to alter, He's not going to modify, He's not going to change His plan when it comes to getting me to the end. Yeah. I can rest in that. That's right. I can be assured in that. I can have that assurance that I stand in need of. The decision was made that Jesus Christ was handed specifically, or, or, or the, the things that were handed to Him specifically was number one, that He was given power over heaven and the earth. And as we see that, even as we walk through the Old Testament, we can definitely see it as we come into the New Testament. Everything with respect to this world and to man has been handed over to the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Who did Satan think he was when he took him up on the pinnacle? I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I, I'm working with a finite mind. My mind's not infinite. I'm working with a mind that is fallible. I'm working with a mind. But, but I, can almost, I can almost wonder if Christ didn't laugh at him when he tried to offer him what was already his. What did we read this morning? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And all they that dwell therein. Who is he talking about? The Lord of glory. Brother Ricky, I, I loved... I was, when I was in Bible college, I was assigned the task of preaching from Psalm 24. And when I studied that, when I looked at that, that Psalm 24 has held a specific place in my heart ever since because I saw in that Scripture the Lord Jesus Christ. I saw what He had planned. I saw what He was in control over. I saw what was His. And because of that, I saw what was mine. He rules, He reigns, He controls everything that is in the world. The sun, the moon, the stars, the rivers, the streams. That, it, that is why 
You can hold, he can hold back the rain if he wanted to hold back the rain. Or he can let the rain come if he wants to let the rain come. Is there any wonder, in light of what we know from Scripture, is there any wonder that they said of him, never a man spake like this man? The seas were tempted, they were tossed, they were going everywhere. They thought that their life was sure to be lost. And Jesus steps out and says, what? Peace be still. Three words. <laughs> and it was a glassy sea. That was one time when the sea didn't even have a wave in it. Because God said, be still. What makes you think that God cannot tell your heart the same thing in the middle of the trying times that you and I go through in our life? That He can say, peace be still. And when He does, there is a great calm that comes. And a great assurance and a great rest that you and I have. Understand not only that, but understand this. The second thought I want to give you this morning from this passage of Scripture From this scripture, we see that God has not only in this eternal council handed over the world and its powers, but this is what I want us to see. He has also given to Christ a people. If if we can't rest in everything else that I've already said, we ought to be able to rest in the fact that God, God the Father, gave to the Son a people. I'm one of them. And if you're born again, you're one of them too. God has given him a people. What did he tell them? He said, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to what? As many as thou hast given him. Jesus Christ came to die on the cross in order to give eternal life to as many as the Father has given to the Son. Can I just put it this way? God gave them to the Son so the Son could give them to the Father. So that the Father got the glory. What a plan. What a plan that was devised by God. That was placed together by God. And if you and I cannot rest in that, if we cannot rest in knowing that God made a plan... God had a plan. God gave His Son control over everything in heaven and in earth. And God gave to His Son a people to give them to the Father to die on the cross so they could have eternal life. If we can't rest in that, you and I don't have any rest. I rest not in what I can... How feeble are we? How feeble are we as people to think that I can rest in efforts that I have made instead of work that He has done. 
What is the other thing we see in the scripture? He says, I have done the work which thou gavest me to do. He's done it all. And you and I know that later on we're going to hear him say what? It is finished. The work's done. It's over with. There's nothing else to be done. There's nothing else to be modified. There's nothing else to be altered. There's nothing else to be changed. Why? Because God had a plan. If what we see here is true, and it is, then we can rest and be assured that God knows us and is interested in us and has a plan for us. Do you know what's amazing? We came together collectively and corporately this morning as Gospel Way Baptist Church. Can I just tell you, Gospel Way? God has a plan. God has always had a plan. And Gospel Way Baptist Church fits in that plan. And if we fit in His plan, then He's going to carry out the work. We get to enjoy the benefits of what He's doing. You know what we have to do? We just have to, with the assurance that He's given us, show others the assurance that they can have because of the assurance that He's given us. Yes. That, we're, we're, just, <laughs> we're just somebody saved by the grace of God telling somebody else how they can get saved by the grace of God. Yes. And God allowed us to be part of that plan. And if God allowed us to be part of that plan, we can understand that God's plan will be completed. It's going to be... Listen, there's going to be a time when God's going to say it's all done. The work's done. It's over. When I realize that I have been brought into God's plan... I know nothing can frustrate the plan of God. We can with certainty know that if God has a plan for us, He will carry out that plan until it is complete. In fact, Paul tells us, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Then he says, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. I, wanna, I, I, want, I want you to have from this scripture what God has given me from this scripture in that you and I have nothing to fear because God has a plan. And no one can change, alter, modify, or add to or take away from the plan of God. And we can rest in that. We can be assured in that.
And in that, because God had a plan, you and I can have security in the God of the plan. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be in the house of God. We thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for the truth of the scriptures. We pray that you would do in our hearts and lives what you would have to be done. Lord, I pray that if there is anyone under the sound of this message that needs that assurance, I pray, Lord God, that you would give them that assurance. Lord, I pray that if there be one under the sound of the message that does not know you, I pray that you would, Lord, let them come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, let them have that assurance that you have a plan and we fit in that plan and you will complete that plan. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.